Hello, welcome back to another episode of That's Not How the Story Goes When I Tell It. Today we're going to be in part four of four on this uh, lecture on the Civil War. We're going to start with the Northern Strategy. We're going to move on to several other pieces. Let's get started. The Northern Strategy is going to be to suffocate the South by blockading its coasts. Basically, they're going to send a lot of ships out into the Atlantic Ocean, and they're going to try to cut off any kind of imports or exports from the South. This is going to affect the economy of the South, with them not being able to bring in much-needed supplies. Um, The main partner in trade for the South is going to be the North, and now they're fighting each other, so that doesn't really work. They're going to try to get things from other places, and these things from other places can't get in with these blockades. They also can't send their cotton, their main crop, out. This is going to hurt. Next, they're going to try to get the slaves, the North is going to try to get slaves liberated. They're going to try to free them, and those freed slaves are going to fight for the North, and it's going to stop them from fighting for the South. They're also going to try to cut the South off at the Mississippi River, which is going to effectively eliminate Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas from the South, and some parts of West Tennessee and Western Mississippi. Then they're going to try to move troops from Tennessee through Georgia and cut the rest of the South in half. The main thing that I I pointed out in class is that they don't try to pick off the easy stuff, the easy uh, targets, the troops that are kind of lacking. They go for the main strength, the strongest points, every single time, and try to grind the South down. It's called the Anaconda Plan. Or it's also sometimes referred to as Winfield Scott's Great Snake. All we hope is that the Anaconda Plan works if we're in the North. Now we're going to move on to the Second Battle of Bull Run. This takes place in the same spot as the First Battle of Bull Run. This is, instead of being Jackson, this is General Lee with uh, James Longstreet and James Yule Brown Stewart, Jeb Stewart. Uh, fighting. They're going to fight General Pope from the north, fought in the same place as the first Battle of Bull Run, or First Manassas, and has the same outcome. The south wins. This ends up being kind of problematic for the south, as we'll see in just a minute. The the war at sea is not really working that well. There's not a lot that we've been saying about it, but the one thing that you'll hear is about the Monitor versus the Merrimack, which is a battle between two ironclads that never happens. What happens is the North has a ship called the Merrimack that is uh, recovered by the Confederate soldiers. They uh, raise it, they fix it, they rename it the Virginia, and they cover it with iron. They use this ship to ram wooden boats, and they realize it works really well. The North makes their own ironclad called the Monitor. They do fight in the Virginia Harbor, but it is not the Monitor versus the Merrimack. It's the Monitor versus the Virginia. They fight for hours, and they realize that they really aren't accomplishing anything. In the grand scheme of things, the Battle of the Ironclads, the Monitor versus the Virginia doesn't have that much of an effect on the war. It does change how we build warships from then on. Next, we have the Battle of Shiloh. Uh, Grant continues to try to push south through Tennessee, and he's going to try to take a key 
railroad crossing, the railroad crossing that he tries to take um, is going to be a railroad that runs north and south and a railroad that runs east and west. And it's where these two cross. It's very important. He unfortunately doesn't take it. However, he does at least cause some concern. Some troops get shifted around a little bit. And the North ends up taking New Orleans at the mouth of the Mississippi River. This is part of that Anaconda plan that we were talking about earlier. Which means now, the North owns or controls the Mississippi River except for one fortress. Fortress of Vicksburg, Mississippi. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. At this point, the South starts to get desperate for soldiers. And they institute what we call a cradle-to-grave draft. This is anyone who's uh, 17 to 50. Basically, it seems like there was three, three requirements. Can you still get around? Are you a guy? And are you white? And if you can answer three, uh, yes to all three of those questions, it seems like you were in the Army. Didn't have much of a choice at that point because that's kind of what a draft is. The only people that really get out of this are the rich people. Because if you're rich, you're going to be able to hire a substitute to fight for you. This gives uh, credence to uh, or leads to a saying by the poor people that this is a rich man's war, but a poor man's fight. We then get to the bloodiest single day of fighting in all of the Civil War, the Battle of Antietam. The Battle of Antietam is going to be spurred on by Lee's victory at the Second Manassas or the Second Battle of Bull Run. He decides to invade Maryland. This brings back, going back to the, uh, the first or second podcast talking about the advantages they have, him invading Maryland is going to get rid of two advantages the South had. One, we said they could fight a defensive war. They didn't have to invade anybody, but now they're invading somebody. And second, they are going to now be not in the don't have to win, just not lose phase. Instead, now they are trying to win. Uh, Lee writes his battle plans out. He's planning on doing this attack so that he can convince some foreign nations to come help the Confederacy. They can see how awesome they are, how, how well they are uh, prepared and drilled, and how disciplined they are, and how much better than the North they are. He draws out his battle plans, he gives them to his generals, and one of his generals loses the battle plans. An interesting story. Um, we don't really have time for in this podcast. The North finds these battle plans and uses them to beat Lee, wipe the floor with Lee at Antietam, the single bloodiest day of fighting in the Civil War. McClellan doesn't make an awesome choice. He makes a conservative choice. It's a quick choice, but it's conservative, and does not chase Lee as Lee retreats back across the Potomac into the South. Lincoln gets mad. Why didn't you chase him? McClellan doesn't have a good enough answer for Lincoln, and Lincoln fires McClellan. Britain and France end up not joining in on the Confederacy's side and causing the Confederacy to lose out on an opportunity. This was part four of the Civil War lecture. Uh, part five of four will be recorded hopefully in the next couple of days. Thank you for listening.